0: talk 1110 ninety nine three wbt Pete Callender here. seven zero four I'm actually giving the number out, but I haven't even taken any phone calls. No, I haven't even opened up the call screen software. So I'm, I'm sorry. I did not mean to tease you like that. You can send me an email, though. Pete at the PeteCallenderShow.com. You can also hit me up on the Twitter machine, at Pete Callender. Um, do, do, do. So I was just checking this. Caleb Howe. From Mediaite. Oh my goodness. The judge in the Rittenhouse trial has banned MSNBC from the courtroom. I'm alright with that. Oh, there's a reason. Never oh, hang on. So there's a reason why he banned them from the courtroom. Apparently they have a a producer told Another producer or somebody, well, somebody ordered some guy for MSMEC to tail the jury van. Uh, That's not good. To follow the bus with the jurors. A producer told one of their workers on site at the Rittenhouse trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin, to tail the bus with the jurors. I guess on their way back to the hotel. Now, assuming the best of intentions, I will just suggest that they probably are trying to line up an interview for after the trial, right? That's probably what that's about. I have been directed to tail people before, twice in my career that I remember off the top of my head. Um, And it's always easier, by the way, for the people back at home base to tell the... The producers or reporters that are out on the scene, it's always easier to tell that person to go tail somebody, to go engage in basically stalker behavior, for what? For what purpose? Once I was told to, uh, well, one of them was, uh, and uh, I wasn't directed to. Let's just say, it was it was Hancock, and I, and he was telling me I was on the air, and I was at the apartment complex that Vilma Leek supposedly was living at, but denied she was living at full time. And Hancock was like, oh, you should totally go in and tailor back from whatever. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I was like, I, I, I made her, I have a rule. Like I don't break the law to get a story. I mean, that's, it's a good rule. It has kept me out of prison uh, at least so far. So that was the one. So I don't really count that, I guess. But one time I, I was told, that I should follow the family of uh, a, a person who died at an air show. He was a pilot who died at an air show in an accident. And family was local. And I had a producer back at the uh, station tell me, it was not BT, tell me, follow that person's family as they went to, when they went to church. So that I could find out where they went to church and I could... Uh, essentially get interviews with other people at the church about the person that they went to church with. So you can get the audio and the video of the person who's not related to the story in any way, shape, or form, but them saying, nothing like that ever happens in this neighborhood because we know how valuable that soundbite is to telling the story, right? Have you ever noticed that every single story that uses that soundbite is never a neighborhood where violence occurs, and there's never a soundbite from a neighborhood where it does occur. You never see the soundbite or hear the soundbite of somebody saying, yeah, this kind of stuff happens all the time at that house. They're always shooting people. They never hear that. It's kind of like the deal with tornadoes and freight trains. Have you ever noticed this? They're, they're the same. They are the same. They sound the same. So if a tornado hits your house, or your domicile, I shall say, uh, then you need to say it sounded like a freight train. If, on the other hand, a freight train derails in the vicinity, it sounds like a tornado. That's the, the, I don't make the rules. These are the rules. Right. These are the soundbite rules. Um, uh, by the way, I did not follow the people. Right, because I'm not an animal. Okay. Um, Anti-work. I guess that kind of was a bit of a segue. Anti-work. I refuse to to do that work. Inside the rise of anti-work, Larry had a vision after he graduated from college. He and his then wife were going to be a power couple. That's quite a vision. You get out of college and you're like, hey, honey, let's be a power couple. They were going to actualize their American dream. They would buy a house in the suburbs and go on vacation every two years. Hey, Larry, that's not a power couple, buddy. That Your idea of what a power couple is is not a couple that goes... On vacation every two years. I think power couples go on vacation like whenever they want. That's the whole point of being a power couple. Like, what's the point of being a power couple if you got to wait every two years to go on vacation? What am I missing here? That vision of the perfect life eventually shattered, though. Larry and his then wife saw through the illusion of work, he said. They saw through the illusion of work. Work is an illusion. That's deep. That's deep. I took a lot of philosophy classes, enough for a minor in philosophy. However, my alma mater, Winthrop University, would not allow double minors at the time, so I had to choose political science. I'm not bitter. But that's a deep philosophical question, really, if you think about it. The illusion of work. Is work an illusion? Anybody who's ever actually done work probably would say no, especially if it's physical manual labor. That is probably the exact opposite of an illusion. When you have the calluses on your hands and you can't stand up straight because you're in such pain from the bending over for 10 hours, um, then no, that's not an illusion. That's not your brain telling you that you can't stand up straight, that you're so sore. So... This is an illusion of work, he says. And he quit to take... Uh, so he quit his job and went to take care of their kids and his elderly father. Okay, well, that, that's work, Larry. I mean, it it's not compensation. You're not making any money from a private employer to do that work. But that's still work. You're raising kids and you're taking care of a family member. He says it... It took him a little longer to get there. Quote, it's something that someone else planted in our minds. Oh, you mean like Karl Marx? Mm, That was really staticky for me. Was that staticky for you too? Yes. Oh, that was awful. Well, what happened? That was terrible. See, this is now. I'm now. I'm looking at the producer by my side, and like as if he's going to be able to fix this laptop issue. He's not going to be able to fix that. (laughs) He's anti-working. Yes. Which he acknowledges. So he says this is something that somebody else planted in his mind. Larry, whose last name is known to BusinessInsider.com, but apparently they're not disclosing this for some reason. I'm not sure why. Maybe in case Larry needs to work at some point in the future. He doesn't want this story to come up in a Google search as part of the hiring process, I suspect. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? Hey. All right, News Talk 1110993 wbt oh, no. Larry, name unknown, had a vision after he graduated from college. He and his wife were going to go be a power couple where they thought they would buy a house in the burbs and go on vacation every two years but alas that vision was shattered somebody planted something in his brain known as anti-work he is now 52 and he does not work by the time the pandemic hit he was ready for a change according to business insider He left his job as a maintenance tech in South Carolina to be with his ex-wife and children in Colorado. When he got laid off from a seasonal job there, he moved back to South Carolina to be with his mom. And now he lives simply in a 20-foot trailer in her backyard. See, this is the thing that always gets me about the anti-work folks. They do require somebody else to have worked. Right? So they're not really anti-work. They're anti-them working. right? They're okay with you working and you accumulating enough wealth to purchase property or a house that they can live in or property that they could put a trailer on. right? They're fine with you doing that. They just don't want to do it. So I'm not so sure that that is anti-work in so much as it is laziness. right? Because laziness, like if you're truly anti-work, then you would be opposed to anybody working. Right? Like. If you see your mom in the house that she owns on the property that you're squatting on, um, or sorry, that you've set up your trailer on, so you're on this property and then you go over and you visit with mom because you're a good son and you go and you see mom every day and watch her television and eat her food and stuff because you're a good son. That's what good sons do, right? They take and take and take and take from mom. So you go and you hang out at mom's house and uh, while hanging out, you see her, she starts dusting you would object as a good son an anti-work good son you would object you would say mom stop doing the dusting don't do the dishes don't wipe down the countertops don't you do any of these things because that's work and well pete you're that's not that's not the same thing he's talking about being paid for the work see and i don't differentiate see to me, it's work or play. That's it. It's, I'm a black and white kind of guy on this topic. I really am. It's, it's work or play. Because if it was fun, right, then they would call it play. But they don't. They call play, play. That's fun. So fun is play and work is not fun, right? Like that's, now you can have fun at work. And if you're lucky enough to have fun at work, then you play. And then it's not even like work. And that's me. If it seems like I'm having a lot of fun doing this work, it's because it is fun for me. I still can't believe people pay me to do this. I'm sitting at the car show surrounded by, I don't know, conservative estimate. What do you think? $100 billion worth of uh, vehicles. Roughly. I mean, I'm just spitballing a number here. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of really nice cars here. (laughs) I don't know. I felt underdressed when I walked in. Uh, So, that's the way I look at it, work and play. Now, Larry, he's just anti-work, or lazy, or anti-him-working, but pro-you-working. Business Insider treats Larry as a bit of an avatar for the movement here. He says, quote, I really don't have any expenses. I don't need any money. I can survive without money. Interesting concept. You can survive without money. Pray tell, Larry, how does that happen? How doth thou feedest thyself? How, how are you getting enough protein into your body? Uh, maybe this goes back to the conversation we had earlier about the hippos. Are you eating hippos? Are you raising hippos or something? No, because that would be work. So what are you doing for food? What do you do with the tax bill? When the tax bill comes for the property that you live upon, and I assume South Carolina has property taxes. I've forgotten. It's been a while. I've never owned. I've only rented in South Carolina, so I never—I don't remember. Do you live in South Carolina, TJ? No, he doesn't. All right. Did you at some point, though? You did, but you rented, too. Oh, that's true. So there you go. So, yeah, they got the property tax on the vehicles. So do you have a car? Eh, maybe not. You can get by Well, maybe not really in South Carolina. It's not the most pedestrian-friendly type of state. But um, maybe he lives in one of the areas where he can walk down to a grocery store or something. But no, it, it seems more like he's relying on mom. He's relying on mom to have a car, to have some source of income, to pay the property taxes so he doesn't get thrown off of the land where his trailer sits. Larry is part of something that's growing, according to Business Insider. Lazy, no, uh, people who are opting out of work. Some of them call it anti-work. It's a trend bolstered by younger workers. Okay, folks, uh, just a heads up on this one. You don't get to call yourself workers if you're not working. Yeah. So you get to now pick a different term for your Marxist class warfare uh, LARPing. So you're going to have to come up with a different term because you can't use workers. If you're opting out of the work, not a worker. Um, But I mean, I say that as a Gen Xer and Gen X, I think we are the last generation to utilize the English language in the way it was constructed. So that might be on me. That might be my fault. And I apologize for any millennials. Are you a millennial, TJ? Yeah, sorry about that. I mean, I'm sorry for you being a millennial. But it's okay. I mean, every generation needs its ambassadors to be able to communicate with the other, you know, superior generations. So, uh, (laughs) this is, (laughs) some of them call it anti-work. It's the young people. The Gen Zs, they're the ones. It's not even you millennials. You're off the hook.
1: Yeah. Are you yelling at a cloud right now?
0: Gen Zs. No, I'm inside. I'm not yelling at a cloud. I'm not an old man. I'm a Gen Xer, the coolest generation. So, And by the way, this is the kicker for all the millennials that have been like, okay, boomer. See, they don't really have an answer for Gen X because you're so close in age to us that if you try to call me old, you're calling yourself old too.
1: Drive my car. Yes, I'm gonna be a
0: star.
1: Maybe you can drive my car and
0: maybe I love you. Alright, here at the uh, Charlotte Auto Show, Car Show, Auto Show. What sounds better? What do they call- I should call it what it is? Is it I think auto show just sounds it's like if I'm talking about the Maseratis, it's an auto- then it's auto show. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be auto. Wait, hang on a second. Hang on. Got that's got to gotta be an auto. There we go. There's Brett Winter. That's an auto right there. He's sitting right next to me. I could hear him, but nobody else could. It's amazing. Could. Right. But that's all that matters. It's just that's that true. Can... It's And it's generally how I go about my day. I'm generally hearing you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, throughout my entire afternoon, actually. <laughs> uh, so Brett's going to be here doing his show, but I figured I would make him work for free, given this anti-work topic I was just doing. No. Yes. Um, but you are a car guy, you say. I like, so you I like cars. So uh, you walked the premises. Yes. And i have been asking this question and i have yet to get a good answer tj almost had me mm-hmm. he gave me a believable answer and i wanted to believe it and then he immediately caved Uh-oh. under the pressure and he <laughs> told me he was lying under duress <laughs> right? so, <far> so <laughs> i didn't even have to like knock the light bulb swinging or anything <laughs> to get him to crack, <laughs> so just a heads up on that. He's your producer. I'm yeah, just, that's right. It wasn't technically right. a lie. It was just a guess. It was. He did not tell me this was a guess. He seemed like he knew what he was talking about, much that, like me. That's very Joey Suzu. <laughs> Is he here? <laughs> all right. So the question I have... Yes, sir. All of these headlights, Yeah. like every one of them, well, except for that one over there, I guess, but almost every almost one I see, uh-huh. they're all and for lack of a better term, I don't know what it's called, but they're like ground effects. They're all tricked out. They've got yeah. they've got these crazy designs. Like mm. this one here looks almost like eyelashes. It does look like eyelashes. I-, I was going to say that. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's blinking or winking. It's cute, you know? Um, or I would say anime, but that might get censured. So don't say that. So, But then this one's to like the outline around the headlights on some of these things. Yeah, so it's like a zigzag or something. Yeah, like so you being a car guy, yeah. do you know the answer to this question? Why are we seeing this all now? Is there a reason why this is now so prevalent? Does it have to do? Was there some sort of like I assume government banned some sorts of these types of lights because nah. all this stuff is regulated? I thought so. Did something change? No, I don't think so. But you know what? This is we're standing or we're
2: sitting right across from the Kia yeah. spot, and these are all Kias. True. I'm looking. There's Fords over there, but they don't have any lights on. We have to we have to wait till they, the lights come on over there. Yeah. That that, that Ferrari. I don't no know if that's got the fancy thing, right. but it's, I, th- I think it's just—it's a stylistic. It's a very modern kind of a look. Yeah, I don't think you can have too much brightness when you're driving the uh, the very dark roadways out there. <laughs> you don't want to drive into a pothole because the infrastructure bill hasn't come out yet.
0: Well, it's not right. Well, thank God we have it. The potholes are now all full. They're uh, they're about to be. They're they're going to actually fill it with the bill.
2: Like <laughs> all that paper is going to go right into. <laughs>
0: By the way, I I rely on the rim shot. It makes me fifty percent funnier. Try the view fifty two percent. Yeah, uh, you are already funny, so it has limited effect on your. Uh, it's okay. Uh, com- it's okay. Comedic value. Comedy kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. So the so I am kind of curious. So like the so, this seems to me to be mm-hmm. uh, pros and cons. Mm-hmm. The outline of the headlight. Yeah. And I like at some point, probably after I'm done, I'm going to walk over to this key guy. I'm going to ask him this you question. Have to. Yeah. The light goes out. The headlight turns off mm-hmm. when the blinker goes on, or something like that. And the, the the little outline yellow light that then like does some fancy pattern. So would the, maybe
2: would that be like considered a fog light? I don't know. See, I think that might be a fog light. This is really great. This is amazing radio. It's a zigzag it's and an eyelash, compelling it and be, rich. It may be, but uh, but I'm thinking these are like just your day, your daytime running lights, running lights. So that when you're when you're adjusting your maps and whatnot you kind of catch it in the back of your eye you know back of your head and mm-hmm. uh, that's I, I don't know what it is this is they they have definitely redone the stylishness of these cars here though mm-hmm. remember back like in the 90s everything kind of looked the same
0: yeah like a bubble it was like all bubble exactly yeah right? hate those i like hate a, that style you know, like
2: the pt cruiser and the it was all sort of the same thing but now it's like there's like you actually can tell the difference between the vehicles and and i'm not I'm, I'm being uh, ecumenical in that regard because, you know, all of them are that way. And I think it's cool. And uh, you know what else I'm excited about? I'm super stoked about the integration of technology in these cars, too. That's, that's really cool, too.
0: Yeah. So I saw a vehicle. I talked about I should have actually pulled the picture. You've probably seen it, too. But they're now, I think it was a Tesla. The thing looks like like a 1980s Buick. I mean, it is boxy, mm-hmm. right? It mm-hmm. is, it, it, I mean, it's, it's a sedan, but it is completely teched out. Yep. So you, you—it's got like the red velvet-covered seats and stuff inside. I mean, it's almost like gangster kind of old-school sedan. Mm-hmm. And the whole dash is all just—it's just all touchscreen. See that, that? Now that may i like
2: to have manual hand control because mm-hmm. if you hit a bump or something and you reboot at 70 (laughs) you'll be rebooting in a different way you're just saying you know now if i if i could create any aspect of these vehicles Uh not these but any of these vehicles yeah if you're going to have that kind of a tricked out thing what i think they need to come up with next is variable seating and what i mean by that is you punch a button and bobby's in the back he can now be transferred up to the front by by a couple of yeah yeah Rails. I think it's like can- canter levers or yeah, rails.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, like the uh, teacup. Right.
2: 100%. And I want the ability to. I'm, I'm an old aficionado of the station wagons where you could ride backwards. Right, right. I in want the, the well. Kids, uh, right. And then sometimes the child is getting a little troublesome. Right into the trunk. Right into the trunk. Right into the trunk. With, yeah. There's a movie in there. It's phenomenal. Right. No seatbelts required. No, there would be. You're, you're strapped in totally. It's We want to keep, oh, want no. to keep you safe.
0: No, I thought, But it is surround sound. No, the station wagons were totally safe. That's why you didn't need seatbelts. Like school buses. They're totally safe. Wait a they minute. They would not let children <laughs> ride around in a wait, school bus wait. without seatbelts if they weren't totally safe. So wait a the minute. same obviously applies are, to the station wagons. Are, are we going back
2: to the signs on every seat that will keep you safe Yeah. when there's problems in the school? Right. The, the old... The yeah, gun you build sign.
0: Right, you build the whole bus out of the signs too,
2: and then you have no shootings on buses. Either. Well, you really don't, though. I mean, by and large, thank God.
0: I mean, it is kind of weird.
2: You know, but it's. But uh, to get back to the car, car show, the auto show, the Charlotte Auto Show here. Indeed, it is amazing to see the just the advancement since the turn of the century, which sounds like we're talking about the <laughs> like 1890s. you so old. But I mean. <laughs> Right, it was 20 ever, years ago. Ever since the horseless buggies of <laughs> 1999. So,
0: all right. So, this is what I told TJ because he's a he's a, a millennial. I'm sure you've already covered this ground. You're a Gen Xer, I assume. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm a Gen Xer. The the, the best description because the the years to me that doesn't really do it because like some people they have Gen X qualities, but right. they're too young, right? So I don't like the years as a designation uh, for the generations. Right. I like. Markers, historical markers. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oregon Trail, the video game, Oregon Trail.
2: Oh, I thought you were talking about the oh, actual.
0: The Oregon Trail video game. Do you remember school before the Oregon Trail was what, in school? What
2: year would that have been?
0: Doesn't matter. Because Do I, I, I think I was in college then. Right, Right. so K-12. Were you in K-12 when Oregon Trail was made available to you as a student?
2: I don't even remember, so, so it's, there probably, you it's probably before so, after me. Wait, how old are you? old enough to know better
0: than saying how old I am on the radio. So, he's so he's a little bit older than I am because I remember it arriving. I was alive during Nixon. Right. Well, I was seventy-three, so I was alive during Nixon. Well, Nixon came in in sixty-eight, so we got
2: we got the spread there. We got, and that's right. all
0: Gen X. That's all Gen. Right, right. 100%. So that's what I mean. But you, so you were cusp. You're like front cusp of that, and I'm old. I'm old He was there. He's always known Oregon Trail being. That, in see, that's incredible.
2: Yeah. By the way, if you've got an issue with your cusp, Dr. Rush Sunar, Charlotte Dental Implant right. Center, can you help you. You don't do, out do with that your cusp. reads at my show. <laughs> all right. No, that was a talk. That wasn't
0: a read. <laughs> my reads are in my bag. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Brett Winterbull, he's coming on at uh, 3 o'clock. You can get three more hours of all of that. That was just a tease. That Orange was just a tease. T- <laughs> <laughs> all right. News Talk 1110 993 wbtp Pete Callan here just for one more segment, and then uh, Brett Winterbull will be. Uh, Launching his program. I do have a bit of audio. I need to play this because I'm talking about the anti-work stuff. And uh, the other day, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. That's where I know him from. He's Apparently, he's got some other business ventures that apparently are more successful than his TV thing. Whatever. I don't know. But he's one of the guys on Shark Tank. He was on Bill Maher's show, Real Time with Bill Maher. And he was asked about uh, going back to work, because this kind of ties into the whole anti-work topic, but going back to work and how there are a lot of people that are in this, quote, anti-work. I'm not calling it a movement because it's not, but they're in this category. But they just don't want to go back to work where they were after a year of pandemic living. They don't want to go back to where they were. So here is that exchange.
1: And I understand that you can't get a lot of people to come back to the office. So you thought it would be like 15% who wouldn't come back after the pandemic, but it's really something like 55% it who say they will never come back? They're never coming back. Well, doesn't that tell you something about how much they must have hated the office Correct. to begin with? <laughs> yes. I mean, True. Yeah. I miss my office. But. I I, I want to be at the office. They have proven to everybody all around the world that they can use technology to do their job successfully, creatively, functionally, productively. They want to stay at home, raise their kids, take care of their elderly parents, and in fact, if you say to them, you have to come back to the office, that's our new mandate, they'll say, "Nah, I'm just going to quit and work somewhere else. So we thought it was 15%. We have a sample size of about 10,000 people in our supply chain plus our companies. I thought it would be in accounting, logistics, compliance departments, the people used to work in cubicles. It's everybody. They don't want to come back. And so we have to learn to live this way, and I'm, I'm okay with it. It works. I find it really interesting. I so am Kevin O'Leary. O'Leary. My, one, one of the guys, one of the guys that's, you know, crucial to our whole operating company accounting said to me, I grew up on a farm, I'm going back to the farm, I'm going to live on the farm, I'll work for you. But it's going to be from the farm.
0: There you go. So I am totally on board with this as well. I am fine with this. I am of the same mindset as Kevin O'Leary. I am not anti-work. I'm the opposite. Christy will tell you I work way too much. (laughs) Now, people are, I think, reassessing, and I hate this term, but I will use it, the work-life balance. They're reassessing it. And the pandemic forced a lot of companies to assess and maybe reassess work from home lifestyles and whether or not people can do the job. Because here's the thing, too. People who were able to be productive and perform at home, management knows who they are versus the people who were not. Right. Because you can't hide. You can't compensate with more chat around the water cooler, more gold-bricking but making it look like you are actually doing something when you're not. Kind of like TJ. You can't <laughs> You can't hide that at home. And it sounds counterintuitive. It does. I get it. Because like, the fear was what? That, oh, if we let people work from home, then they're just going to slack off and they won't do their job, right? Well, if you have deliverables right performance metrics that the employee has to has to do has to meet these benchmarks have to get hit and if they don't hit them then they're gone right so you have a way to know if they're working from home if if they're being productive and they're being effective and efficient and if you've got people that have been masking that because they've been hanging out in the office they've been walking around and you know who I'm talking about the time burglars right These are the guys or gals that show up at your cubicle or the job site or your office door, and they start talking to you. And before you know it, it's like 30 minutes later, and you're now behind. You had a whole plan for what you needed for your day. It's like you want to keep an open door. You want to be uh, accessible to people, but you got the time burglars. They're not actually effective and they're not efficient for the company, for your company, right? And in fact, they're a drag. And so now you should be able to know this. So what what are you trying to preserve by forcing everybody to come in, right? This is one of the things that kills me. A lot of the people I see, they're like uh, uh, talking in these glowing terms uh, about the office culture, I've worked in a lot of different places, okay? There are very very few of them that had a quote culture that I would want to hang out in in my downtime. Right? Once again, work or play, right? So, if you are not interested in in hanging out with all of these people on a regular basis outside of work, uh, then uh, I'm not so sure you would want to hang out with them during work, right? So these people are like, "Oh, we have to protect the office culture." I'm I'm kind of curious, like, what's your experience with your coworkers? <laughs> what do you think the culture here is? Is it the uh, "Hey, everybody, stop leaving uh, spoiled food in the office fridge" culture? Is that thing, or oh, somebody ate my food before it could spoil because I left it in the office fridge, like that culture? Some of it might not be worth preserving. Just, you know, maybe there's a lot of brick and mortar that can get freed up here. I'm just throwing that out there, just spitballing. Not anti-work. I am, I am pro reassessment of existing status quo work requirements. That's way too long for a movement name, which I understand. So we'll have to work on that branding. Uh, it doesn't have a, a, a cute little uh, hook like anti-work. Anti-work—it's a trend bolstered by Gen Z anti-work as they make their mark on the labor market. In America, it looks similar to similar youth-led movements. I guess that would make sense. BusinessInsider.com uh, against work in other countries, especially China. This is happening in. Did you know that? I did not. Young people are lying flat—is what they call it—by decentering. There's another. Ugh, that's a, that's a Gen Z term I wish would die in a fire. Oh my God, decentering. Lying flat, they call it in China. By decentering a drive to constantly be more productive and competitive at work and instead find happiness in their own lives and relaxation. I support you finding happiness, everyone finding happiness in their lives. It is important. Taking breaks, relaxation is important. He who stops to sharpen his axe cuts more wood. Totally believe that. I have for years. You got to find something that makes you happy, work that you enjoy doing, and then you'll never work a day in your life, right? That's the idea. So no, this isn't, this again, like this thing with the millennials and the Gen Zers, they think they've reinvented everything when it's like, yeah, congratulations. Like, like, look at this. I have a smartphone. I can take it with me and listen to music wherever I want. Like, yeah, congratulations. You invented radio. Awesome job. All righty, that's a wrap for the show. Fred Winterbull's up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>